Ah, fuck it, we're live. Ah, shit. This is where I wanted to open up. Transmission 0707 Let it be on the record. Let the record show. Mr. Carlin, please enlighten us. Rights. Boy, everyone in this country is always running around yammering about their fucking rights. I have a right. You have no right. We have a right. They don't have a right. Folks, I hate to spoil your fun, but there's no such thing as rights, okay? They're imaginary. We made them up, like the boogeyman. <laughs> the three little pigs, Pinocchio, Mother Goose, shit like that. Rights are an idea. They're just imaginary. They're a cute idea. Cute. But that's all cute and fictional. But if you think you do have rights, let me ask you this. Where do they come from? People say, well, they come from God. They're God-given rights. Oh, fuck, here we go again. Here we go again. The God excuse. The last refuge of a man with no answers and no argument, it came from God. Anything we can't describe must have come from God. Personally, folks, I believe that if your rights came from God, he would have given you the right to some food every day, and he would have given you the right to a roof over your head. God would have been looking out for you. God would have been looking out for you. You know that? He wouldn't have been worried about making sure you have a gun so you can get drunk on Sunday night and kill your girlfriend's parents. But let's say it's true. Let's say God gave us these rights. Why would he give us a certain number of rights? The Bill of Rights in this country has ten stipulations, okay? Ten rights. And apparently God was doing sloppy work that week because we've had to amend the Bill of Rights an additional 17 times. So God forgot a couple of things like slavery just fucking slipped his mind but let's say let's say god gave us the original 10. he gave the british 13. the british bill of rights has 13 stipulations the germans have 29 the belgians have 25 the swedish have only six and some people in the world have no rights at all what kind of a fucking goddamn god-given deal is that <laughs> No rights at all? Why would God give different people in different countries different numbers of different rights? Boredom? Amusement? Bad arithmetic? Do we find out at long last after all this time that God is weak in math skills? Doesn't sound like divine planning to me. Sounds more like human planning. Sounds more like one group trying to control another group. In other words, business as usual in America. Now, <laughs> if you think you do have rights, one last assignment for you. Next time you're at the computer, get on the internet, go to Wikipedia. When you get to Wikipedia, in the search field for Wikipedia, I want you to type in Japanese Americans 1942, and you'll find out all about your precious fucking rights, okay? All right. You know about it. You know about it. Yeah. In 1942, there were 110,000 Japanese-American citizens and good-standing, law-abiding people who were thrown into internment camps simply because their parents were born in the wrong country. That's all they did wrong. They had no right to a lawyer, no right to a fair trial, no right to a jury of their peers, no right to due process of any kind. The only right they had, right this way. <laughs> into the internment camps. Just when these American citizens needed their rights the most, their government took them away. And rights aren't rights if someone can take them away. 
their privileges. That's all we've ever had in this country is a bill of temporary privileges. And if you read the news even badly, you know that every year the list gets shorter and shorter and shorter. You see how soon it is? Yeah. Sooner or later, the people in this country are going to realize the government does not give a fuck about them. Government doesn't care about you or your children or your rights or your welfare or your safety. It simply doesn't give a fuck about you. It's interested in its own power. That's the only thing, keeping it and expanding it wherever possible. Personally, when it comes to rights, I think one of two things is true. I think either we have unlimited rights or we have no rights at all. Personally, I lean toward unlimited rights. I feel, for instance, I have the right to do anything I please. But if I do something you don't like, I think you have the right to kill me. <laughs> so where are you going to find a fairer fucking deal than that? <laughs> so the next time some asshole says to you, I have a right to my opinion, you say, oh yeah, well I have a right to my opinion, and my opinion is you have no right to your opinion. <laughs> then shoot the fuck and walk away. Awesome. It's just a great, like, captured five-second greater than any TED Talk you could get. Greater than anything I can give this podcast except for the, the, the skit itself, the bit itself. Um, but he hit it on the nail there. Um, wow. Powerful stuff. Good guy. I hope. I sure just, like, he definitely... Uh, had probably one of the biggest impacts on my political views and he delivered it all through um some of the most well thought out um speeches they're they're all bits and jokes but he uh he literally got away with uh subversion and it's it's great it's great that's great work um he uh uh i don't know how many people would be opposed to a george carlin monument i don't see us like really bickering about whether it should be going up or down maybe maybe but welcome to the working class observer where my ramblings go on and on until the class warfare ends and i wanted to do something a little bit different is that i have my own piece here to read and it's called what a time to be alive featuring kanye west donald trump Joe Biden a little bit, and Woodrow Wilson. It goes, on Independence Day 2020, Kanye West announced his run for president, allegedly, on Twitter. He hasn't released a formal statement or platform, but we'll just assume for now he's working on that. Kanye will most likely have to run as a third-party candidate because it's too late for him to earn enough delegates and defeat Joe Biden for the DNC nomination. It's far too late. That means he could become a major third-party choice through sheer mass popularity. This November 2020, we might be deciding between Trump, Biden, or West. There are, of course, many other third-party candidates running, but let's be honest, they won't get as much media attention as Mr. West. One positive side might be that Kanye is going to at least bring third-party politics to the discourse. That's good in a way, although we might be more entertained by the spectacle than we would learn from the substance. But who knows? 
it is still 2020. We're halfway through now, and then we get a whole new year that we have to get through. Oh boy. Um, we flirt with the third-party system idea, and it's cute almost every time. Especially, Jesse, you know who. The body. But here's a negative I and countless others, I'm sure, have thought about. It's very likely Kanye could split a large portion of the vote, and it is my personal opinion that he is more likely to take votes from Biden than he is from Trump. It is also my personal opinion that Kanye could get as many votes as Biden. He will need a platform and a campaign, of course, and as I'm writing this, I have still heard of neither. I firmly believe the voters Trump has are an immovable force, and Biden doesn't have the cult of personality support that Trump does. I don't deny they both have a strong and responsive court base, but how many are voting for Biden just to beat Trump? That allegiance seems loose to me. Trump is a record politician at this point, and he has his past actions, or current propaganda, holding his base together with their shared issues. Also, the GOP is his political bitch, and Trump is straight pimping. Like, like drain the swamp. More like, we like it, daddy, please don't stop. No. No, 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 no. All right. Now, think on how Kanye may say he is a better and more empathetic option than either Trump or Biden. While simultaneously attempting to convince the younger voters, maybe ironic Bernie Busters or Yang Gang Bangers, to flock over to his campaign again only if he actually goes through with this and maybe some will just want to say they tried to save the country by voting west is it a good excuse i think only time will tell if time goes as i have foretold it so far my prediction would be that kanye splits the disenfranchised the 100 million possible scrappy voters while some progressives and liberals remain split from 2016 to be honest, 2020 didn't help much either. Many progressives and leftists seemingly have given up on the Democratic Party. Almost entirely. This Grand Canyon of a divide wouldn't be as impactful if we implemented ranked choice voting, but that's for another conversation. I've explained one possible scenario, which I hope I'm wrong about, all for the purpose of looking back at history and checking precedent. When Governor of New Jersey Woodrow Wilson ran for his first term as president in 1913, the vote was split between William Taft and Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, both were very big names at the time, and Wilson won with only 42% of the popular vote. Woodrow became president off a of technicality. He had only been a governor for two years. That was his full experience in public office. Before that, Wilson was the president of Stanford, writing revisionist history books, but that too is a whole other conversation. There's a picture of him now. Looking America dead in the eyes. Like you shall receive this new freedom. Look up new freedom. It's his, it was his platform. Uh, moving on. The reason I think of Woodrow Wilson is I see these weird parallels to Trump's presidency. Like they exist in some kind of codependent timeline. Although Wilson 
was a progressive of the time. The time was 1913, and progressivism was a completely different platform than what we know it to be today. But just for reference, he was a Democrat of the 1910s, and that was the party of the South and of Jim Crow. Wilson brought the ideology of segregation to the White House in a myriad of levels. Uh, one example is he made interracial marriage a felony in the District of Columbia. Progress. Wilson also split the U.S. Treasury and Navy down the same lines while allowing more of his cabinet members to segregate their departments, encouraging the same in state and local governments. All of this only served to heighten race tensions in an already tumultuous environment, so much so there were a series of race riots, murders, and lynchings under Wilson that we now know as the Red Summer of 1919. There were plenty of cases throughout Wilson's presidency, but this was an extremely heated and bloody summer riding off of the third and final wave of the 1918 Spanish flu, which at the time, white Americans had blamed the spread of the virus on black immigrants and other immigrant communities. Progress. Wilson denounced what he called, quote, mob violence in a letter to Congress, which Focus more on the 3,000 labor strikes of the time. These were also happening during the race riots, which he chose to ignore, while doing effectively nothing for either issue except for delivering a couple speeches and letters. Yeah. He said, uh, he basically said, I'm here if you need anything, but never really planned to uh, be there. History isn't exactly repeating, but there are some familiar echoes. None of our problems are new. They've only morphed with time like everything else. The public's consciousness and awareness on these issues has changed over time. Admittedly, we are the same species from 155 years ago trying to get over the same racist hill, but we have made small steps, and I believe there's still hope for greater leaps into the future. We just can't give up. This brings me to my final piece of history that's almost but not quite a rerun from President Wilson all the way to current President Trump, the Red Scare of 1919. I never heard of the first Red Scare until recently. I was originally only familiar with, Maca with the uh, McCarthy era. My teachers never told me in 1919, after a series of more than is necessary for bomb attacks by Italian anarchist Luigi Galliani, and the Bolshevik Revolution sparking off in Russia, culminating in Wilson's Attorney General A. Mitchell Palmer and babyface to intelligence agencies J. Edgar Hoover to wage a violent and debatably tyrannical war against anything and anyone deemed to be anti-American. On January 2nd, 1920, over 4,000 alleged radicals were arrested in 33 cities. And for a full understanding of this specific event in history, one must research the Palmer Raids. This uh, was a political cartoon of the time. Uh, yep. Got a Uncle Sam here with uh, boxed humans. One of their sleeves says anarchist. Says Merry Christmas to uh, Messers. I think that's what it says. Messrs. Lenin and Trotsky, Russia. And yeah, one of their sleeves says anarchists. And uh, we got fists up. I guess like this specific hand symbol that I'm seeing here that almost kind of looks like a gun, maybe something of the time. 
that I'm not too familiar with, but definitely interesting that uh, uh, anarchists are throwing gang signs in this political uh, cartoon. So the article continues, history is always too complex to explain it all in one place. It must be discussed in bits and pieces, bringing everything together like a united mosaic puzzle. I think it's up to us to put in the work, though. So to make a very complex and long story, overly simplified and way too short, 10,000 total arrests, 556 deportations, including Emma Goldman, plus 165 deaths were spearheaded by the Attorney General A. Mitchell Palmer of the Justice Department, J. Edgar Hoover of General Intelligence, and the resources offered by the Department of Labor between 1917 and 1920. These events, fortunately enough, led to the creation of the American Civil Liberties Union, or the acronym ACLU. The ACLU documented the civil liberties and human rights abuses that were occurring during these raids and in the courts, which of whom convicted individuals under the Espionage Act and the Seditions Act. These convictions once included 249 Russian immigrants who were deported on what was called the Soviet Ark without just cause. <laughs> without just cause. Stumbling. In the direct aftermath, come June 23, 1920, Massachusetts District Court Judge George Anderson ordered the discharge of 20 arrested immigrants and denounced the actions of the Department of Justice. Justice Anderson said, quote, A mob is a mob, whether made up of government officials acting under instructions from the Department of Justice or of criminals and loafers and the vicious classes, unquote. This ruling ended approvals for all future raids. Shouts out to George Anderson for that. A full report from the ACLU revealed that Amendments 1, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8 were stripped from those persecuted, effectively ignoring due process. And also, there were acts of torture that were used during interrogations. Even though wrongs were admitted, this hysteria still fed into the next wave of the Red Scare, which also is for another time i started talking about kanye at the beginning of this and his potential to split the vote come november and that's only if he actually does what he says he is going to do remember remember turbo gfx or turbo graphics yeah me too that album never dropped where's we're still waiting on yandi all right this seemingly reckless and maybe innocuous tweet reminded me of Woodrow Wilson winning by a split vote fluke back in 1913. Not because Roosevelt was a famous rapper who split the vote, but because the atmosphere this country is in right now is eerily similar to what it was 100 years ago. We are seeing race tensions at a new all-time high, and another red scare is just around the corner if we aren't there already. Black Lives Matter has been accused of being a Marxist movement by the fake university of the right-wing PragerU. So there's that. With Trump dropping in public polls and Kanye announcing his candidacy in the middle of the most anti-Marxist and pro-heritage rhetoric since the second Red Scare, all of this nonsense could leave us stuck in this deadly cyclical time warp that we never seem to be able to escape from. So please, Kanye, wait until 2024 if you can. Now is not the time for whatever this is. There has to be some other way you can help the people if that is who if that is who you are actually trying to help.
Ooh. Yep. So, so far, Mr. Ye hasn't come out with any uh, actual plans of his campaign or such. Uh, I've gone to his Twitter. I think he announced that he had Yeezy shelters coming soon. I'm not really sure what that entitles. There wasn't much of a platform for that either. Maybe, you know, maybe maybe Google will have more information than his own Twitter. Don't worry, there's more Kanye news. If you stopped by because Kanye was in the title, there's more Kanye news. Um, easy shelters. Yeah. Um... Yep, so we got Kanye West offers up a fresh look at the progress on his Yeezy Shelter dome homes. Kanye West reveals updated prototype of Yeezy Shelters. Kanye West shares new image of Yeezy Home Affordable Housing Project. Maybe that's getting closer to something that would explain what's going on. Because so far, it seems like we're still talking about the tweet. So American rapper, singer, songwriter, record producer, composer, entrepreneur, and fashion designer Kanye West took to Twitter this weekend to announce not only that he wants to run for president, but also to say his Yeezy home project might be back underway. After the official announcement in 2018, Kanye West began construction of his Star Wars-inspired community of affordable housing called Yeezy Shelters by Yeezy Home in July 2019. That's hilarious. All right, keep moving. Are we all seriously going to start living in domes? And then, like, I don't know, these weird uh, cylinder-like shapes? That's, that's interesting, to say the least. Like, we're all just going to be on Tatooine. All right. We want to go Tatooine route? All right. I kind of like what uh, Thailand's doing a little bit more. I think what Thailand's doing is a lot sicker. Yeah. Uh, right. Until recently, Yeezy had been known as West... Wait, um... It's okay. So, apparently, uh, on an interview with Forbes, West said that the design of the Yeezy home shelters was, quote, inspired by Luke Skywalker's child home, and that he has been working with a team to design prefabricated structures that sport the same austere aesthetic with the goal of deploying them as low-income housing units. That's fine, man. Just, like, at least have running water. Like, nobody really gives a fuck about the design or the aesthetic. Like, we just need shelters. What do you mean? Until recently. I mean, like, you know, before I read on, like, you know, everybody can have cool-ass-looking houses. But, like, before we focus on low-income, cool-ass-looking houses, let's just focus on low-income houses. I, I, it's weird. It's a, uh, I guess like it just looks better. So then maybe they, 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 they wake up in these anic. If they wake up in Luke Skywalker's home, they'll start pulling themselves up by the bootstraps even harder. I don't know, but like I'm a little bit cynical on this just because the the design seems to be more important than providing. Uh, the aesthetics seems more important than the functions. Um, Yep. Until recently, Yeezy had been shown uh, had been known as West Fresh uh, Fashion Brand. Uh, I don't need to know his back history. Yeezy is no longer a fashion company. We should be referred to as apparel or clothing or simply Yeezy. Okay. 
Well, yeah, so everybody has about dick about anything about this, so that's, that's cool. I like how Archpaper is willing to say that they're still on track just because he's shared a picture. Like, what's on track for, like, a release date that we never got, you know? What does on track mean when we haven't even, like, gotten uh, in a guesstimate here? Yeah, at least here's some back story about when he built a, uh, it was basically like a tower and his neighbors complained and he had to take it down. Huh, okay, so maybe it wasn't a tower. This one's alleging that it had to deal with the fact that the the places had uh, concrete foundations, which drew the Public Works Department's ire. As it indicated, they were more than temporary structures that Wes had failed to secure construction permits for. Okay, so just a lack of permits. But it's construction noise complaints on 300-acre property. I don't know, man. Maybe, but I feel like I remember something about it being a, a, a like a massive tower that somehow uh, pulled the ire of everybody around him. But you know, this is just basically gossip at this point. Uh, debuting a picture of his housing prototypes in an unspecified location amid rolling hills. Yep. Yeah, see, everybody knows Dick about Dick with this one picture and yet we're still willing to write articles so that people click on it and look at me the fool clicking on it yep progress so um with kanye possibly running as a third party candidate and having enough money and popularity to also earn his way on a debate stage or uh massive media attention to take him seriously if that's what he plans to do i could see that having negative outcomes where it might help trump i don't see a lot of situations so far that isn't helping trump become president again in 2021 so like just this on top of it seems like a more like a like a plan b kind of uh you know he needs a trigger man i don't know um it's it's definitely going to be interesting because like i had said like it may be the most entertaining uh spectacle of politics that we see uh in our entire lifetimes we have a reality tv star gone president with a uh entrepreneur famous uh billion now billionaire rapper uh, going out to uh, uh, duke it out for control of our military. It's great. You know, we really hit like the most uh, interesting timeline that we could. Uh, when they read over this shit in history books, they're going to be like, 2020 was off its fucking meds. That wasn't a shot at Kanye. It sounded like it, but that actually, oops. Yeah, that sounded like it. But 2020 obviously needs to get on like some kind of stabilizer machine. Um, because this is this is just this is a roller coaster at this point and like the structures are kind of building in front of us as we ride this this motherfucker so um it's great it's great um so a couple of things i wanted to get into one of these is definitely more important than the other um it's just unfortunate that they were both put here 
Um, I'm going to have to go with the less important side because Kanye is uh, still in the news. So before I get to the uh, little bit heavier shit, I'd rather just uh, shit on some billionaires and millionaires real quick. Uh, interesting articles coming out uh, throwing shade at so far I've seen Kanye West receiving these PPP loans uh, Nancy Pelosi's husband um, who's that other one I saw one over one more like <gasps> you know kind of moment um, shit I really I think Jared Kushner was in there as well but there was somebody else yeah all right brain farts so nbc was the was the one i picked on to because of this just beautiful structure of the scientology building that's great i really hope that our tax money went to scientology that's great um so this article is by ben popkin from nbc news and pen ben popkin ben popkin ben popkin it's a cool name. Billionaire property developer Joe Farrell, a prominent Republican fundraiser, received up to $1 million in taxpayer coronavirus relief funds, according to federal data released Monday. Other players in the world of celebrity and influence who took advantage of loans under the Paycheck Protection Program, or PPP, to hold uh, to help struggling small businesses hurt by coronavirus shutdowns included Kanye West's three billion dollar clothing and sneaker company multi multi-millionaire pop artist Jeff Koons and the Church of Scientology which is reported to be worth at least one billion and that's you know probably not taking an account to any offshore accounts that wasn't the article that was me that last bit was me uh, it ended at trying to uh, worth at least one billion dollars i added that bit at the end now i fucked the whole thing up all right quote ppp was sold to the american people as a program to help mom and pop shops keep their lights on during the pandemic unquote kyle herrig president of accountable us oh accountable us a government watchdog group said by email quote the reality is that the trump administration created a program that helped the well-connected cut to the front of the line to get these loans unquote uh adding my own addendum here which i have to get better at doing like saying addendum to make sure that i don't put the words in ben popkin's mouth um but we all kind of saw this coming, right? At least, like, a good significant amount of people saw that, like, obviously massive corporations are just getting a payload of wealth distribution from the PPP Act. Like, we, we knew that. And, like, there was money trickled down, of course. There was uh, some some businesses got millions, you know. Some other businesses got a couple hundred, hundred Gs. But, really, the crime here was the heavy amount of millions to billions going into massive corporations which they will throw the argument of too big to fail but then you're gonna have to deal with the occupy movement at that point bro that's that's out of my hands and i honestly don't believe that anything that is failing should be too big it uh shouldn't affect everybody shall it fail that doesn't seem like a very free market now does it hmm. maybe something's broken but uh everybody knew that trump appointed himself as the guy to watch the money like he said that in a fucking uh 
press conference, which everybody raised their pins at, but not necessarily did anybody stop him. You know, um, the the DNC did not stonewall him until he put a uh, third party or you know at least some other person in charge of seeing where this money goes. They would they maybe that was bad optics for them, but if if it's bad to have money go out that is monitored why are we allowing money to just float around completely unmonitored and then let's see two months later we find out where this money went interesting timing there sir feral and this is back to the article feral a developer in new york's exclusive hamptons beachfront community has thrown fundraising part parties for donald trump his loan went to retain 41 jobs according to data released by the small business administration which guarantees the loans 41 jobs too big to fail um Farrell this year rented out his 17,000 square foot 40 million dollar east end estate sandcastle for close to two million dollars to a wealthy manhattan family trying to escape the coronavirus for six months um this is me interjecting here yeah this is totally relatable this is totally relatable to me um i'm sure there's a lot of small business owners who are going to completely relate to being able to uh, rent out a $40 million, 17,000 square foot estate uh, for two, $2 million for six months. I am sure this is completely relatable to everybody. And um, aren't you glad that you received your $1,200 stimulus check? There's a lot to unpack about that, but it's just fascinating that, yes, we handed out millions to millionaires and billions to billionaires. It happened. Um, we just need to kind of come to terms with that and recognize this is class warfare. It has been for a while, and it's going to be for uh, maybe less time, hopefully, if we can get over this hill that uh, is holding us back from progress, uh, a better union. Uh, a more just and peaceful world, but, you know, greed aside, let's keep moving. You know what? This is all about greed. Let's just keep going. To legally qualify for the taxpayer-funded relief, businesses must self-certify in good faith that, quote, current economic uncertainty makes this loan request necessary to support the ongoing operations of the applicant, unquote. According to the borrower application form, applicants must also check a box that says the loan will be used to retain workers, maintain payroll, and make mortgage interest, lease, and utility payments. The emergency payroll relief effort reached over 80% of all small business employees and 27% of low and moderate income communities, according to the SBA. 80% of all small businesses, not bad, but... Uh, what happened to the other 20%? And and uh, how come low and moderate income communities got 20%? Like only 20% of the low income communities received it. So what happened to the other 73? We got 80 going to small businesses like... There's 20% small businesses that didn't get it. And then we got this weird 
of low and moderate income communities received emergency payroll relief. Uh, 27% of low and moderate income communities. I'm sorry, I'm, I know I've read that a lot of times, but only 27% of low and moderate income communities receive their emergency payroll. Are you going to blame that on computer malfunction? Are you going to blame that on uh, delays of action? You know, there's, there's loopholes, there's bureaucracy. How is it possible that 20% of low and... <laughs> Holy shit. The fact that that's just like a little piece in here, just a little, little tab in this massive article about massive wealth inequality. And that's just a little fucking scratch sentence. Nars. Fucking gnarly. Alright. I'm harping on that bit. In April, after the initial round of funding swiftly ran out, fierce battles broke out over which companies received the loans and whether they deserved to by either the letter or the spirit of the CARES Act, which created the program. Hundreds of public companies and an unknown number of private companies ended up canceling their loans and giving the money back. Nice. But others held on, including some operating in high net worth orbits. Quote, even if they technically could argue that they did not meet the criteria, taking the money clearly violates the spirit of the law and just seems greedy and wrong. This is one of the reasons why transparency is so important, why the government fought against it so hard, and why a full accounting of recipients and details is so important, said Neil Barofsky, former Special Inspector General for the Troubled Asset Relief Program, TARP, which had oversight for some of the corporate funding relief during the 2008 financial crisis. Dude, like... Is this guy really the guy to talk? Is he? I don't know enough about Neil uh, Barofsky, but if he was Inspector General for the whole 2008 financial crisis, then he knows full well about uh, governments not watching over money being exchanged to massive corporations during an, uh, an emergency. He knows full well how that government works then. All right, moving on. Yeezy LLC, the apparel brand owned by West, the music producer and designer, took a loan of up to $5 million. The loan supported the retention of 106 jobs. Is that it? Like, he pays 106 people $5 million worth of money? Is that worth even doing the math on? I'm sure, like, not all of the $5 million just went to these employees, but, like, I'm just trying to... Alright, everybody earns about, like, 47000 grand. And that's if they all get paid the same. <laughs> so, alright... Well, he took the loan. Wes holds a 100% stake in his company, which was recently estimated to be worth $3 billion, according to Bloomberg. The fine art studio of Coons, known for sculpting metal balloon animals that fetch tens of millions of dollars at auctions, got a loan for up to $2 million, supporting 53 jobs. 
Alright. Two million. Divided by 53. Everybody gets paid about $37,000. Sure. The Church of Scientology, whose founder L. Ron Hubbard, made it a stated goal to recruit celebrities and which claims several household name actors among its members had several entities take PP loans. It says several. It says several entities. Okay. Oh, cheat, bro. Oh. According to the SBA data, the Church of Scientology New York, the Mission of Bel Air in Largo, Florida, and the founding Church of Scientology in Washington, D.C. each took loans of up to $350,000, supporting a total of 137,000 jobs. Nearly 100 of those were in New York, while almost 40 were in the Bel Air facility. The D.C. organization self-reported zero jobs retained. That's not as big as Yeezy's company received, though, which is what I find fascinating, too, is that they filed uh, for more loans in different states and yet received the lowest amount. That's interesting. They also had a much larger total of jobs as well. So, oh, each took loans. Sorry, that's three loans of 350. <laughs> Where are my manners? All right, they've got about a million and 50,000. All right. Even though the DC organization had no jobs, they still took a loan. So I wonder what they marked as their uh, requirement. So companies are not required to report how many jobs they retain to take the loans. Nice. But they must do so within 24 weeks to qualify for the loan to become a free grant. Oh, nice. Who put that in there? Nearly 50,000 other companies had zero jobs retained in the data set. And they reported it, which means they get to keep it as a grant. 50,000 other companies. And what also pisses me off about this is that we don't get the names. There's no source here. It just says nearly 50,000 other companies had zero jobs retained in the data set. Yet, they retained it. They reported it regardless. So what that means is that they still received the loan. And since they reported it, they also got it as a free grant. It is no longer a loan. It's just money they get to keep. 50,000 other companies. At least Kanye was able enough to like just be real about it, I guess, you know? He was real about it. He's real that he just wanted to keep the money and not have to pay it back. Because, I mean, it's, like, effectively useless. Like, how is he much better off now than he was at the time, except for the fact that, like, we've loosened up our restrictions, right? But that's not even the same kind of shit for whatever Kanye's business is. So it's very interesting. So... All right. The the article concludes, quote, PPP was created to retain jobs. SBA spokesperson Jim Billamoria said in an email, quote, I can't speculate on what borrows use funds for. Unquote. None of the none of these entities had immediate comment. NBC Ben Popkin. 
All right, well, that was still very surface level, but uh, at least we know that there are 50,000 other companies who got a free grant. Yep, yep. We all got $1,200 if you're, uh, if you're uh, down here, and then, you know, depending on how many kids, you got some more money. But does that really balance out to 50,000 other companies holding possibly millions of dollars uh, for no job costs? It's very interesting to think about maybe what that money went to and what for, why. And we're not going to get that transparency because that's not how corporations work. There's not even a source of the 50,000 other companies that had zero jobs retained. So I'm going to have to fucking search Google for it. PPP Act Whoop With spelling errors Washington Post posted it up it Says it saved 51 million jobs which is pretty interesting. Oh, great. Yeah, I don't even know if I can fucking use this website. Awesome. All right, well, I'm just going to have to get the fuck out of here. Let's get the, get the fuck on out of there. Uh, let's see. What was that? Bless me. We found it. We found it. Page check protection program straight from the SBA.gov. Alright. Who can apply? Wow. Paycheck protection has reopened. They're, they're still receiving applications starting yesterday. So that's cool. The new deadline to apply for paycheck protection program is next month so that's cool people are getting mass evicted but the paycheck protection program has reopened so that's cool that's cool so cool and I, I, I shit you not the uh, mass evictions have begun I wanted to actually read this beautiful little tweet here Oop. it's from a specific article that I do not have the pass to read <laughs> But uh, let's see here. Let's get it. 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 Nope. Nope. Yep. There it is. And it's loading. So we might have to hold on to that. I'll probably have to close with it. But um to wrap it all up for this transmission i heard of this last of us from uh a, 
I don't know what he is, but he's a he's a pundit maybe from Daily Wire, um, and it's called "The Last of Us Two Is a Crazy SJW Mess" by Andrew Clavin. My name is Andrew. That's so. This is gonna be great. Um, I think I've watched one of his videos a while ago, but I haven't watched this one. Um, let's just forget the fact that the Paycheck Protection Program is reopened as of yesterday, and you have till August 8th if you are a business owner to apply for more loans, while mass evictions are happening in the United States as we speak because people on my level cannot afford rent. So, yay. Uh, let's get it, Andrew. What's your name? Clavin? Spoiler alert, I'm going to be reviewing The Last of Us 2, and I may give away some of the things that happen in this. And you know what's rough about this is that I haven't played this game. I haven't even read the leaks. I don't know what happens, but now I'm probably going to have to spoil this entire game, and it's going to be ruined by the people who are ruining the planet for me. Let's get it. Irritating social justice warrior piece of garbage. So let me talk about this video game, The Last of Us Part 2. You know, this is making a... I want to note here, too, that uh, this morning I read an article that uh, Naughty Dog and the voice actor of Ellie uh, have been receiving death threats. So um, I I would just hope that Andrew Clavin here, Clavin, Clavan, uh, I, I just hope he keeps that little kernel in the back of his mind when he talks about this game is that these people have been receiving death threats i don't even know what the whole sjw thing is because i haven't played the game i haven't watched walkthroughs i haven't seen articles explained to me this would actually be my first introduction into whatever the fuck is going on with this video game which i wanted to play so much and yet is just so embroiled in bullshit from everybody that i haven't even touched so thanks guys Let's ruin it some more. There's a big fuss over this because of the sexuality in it and the social justice garbage that is piped into this social, very, very... Social justice garbage. And can you believe that the right right now is still getting mad about sexuality and media? Like, get the fuck over it, you fucking prudes. Very popular franchise. The first game, which I played, The Last of Us, uh, was just, people love this. Whenever I talk about the fact that I'm a gamer, people write in and say, you've got to play The Last of Us. Well, I did. I played it almost to the end, and I got cu- tired of it for a while because people say what a great story it is. And it's a good story about a guy who's lost his daughter. It's a uh, zombie pandemic, right? It's post-apocalyptic world. I like how he uses pandemic in this in this specific phrase, not zombie apocalypse or zombie outbreak. Or I like how he uses pandemic to just fit in the times. It makes it just... Time stamps this whole piece. I like how he also said that he played the game. He's he's a gamer. People love it when he says he's a gamer. And, uh, yeah, he played Last of Us almost to the end. And he just stopped playing it because uh, people talk about how great the story is. And then he starts talking about the story. I'm interested. Why didn't you finish the game? Why? Because I don't remember any specific SJW message coming out of uh the original last of us when i finished the last of us i remember a a a very questionable moral choice that was to be pondered i don't remember anything about uh being a snowflake and wondering if there's lesbians in my video game 
and he has to help this young girl get to a place where they're going to use her blood as a serum. And in traveling through the zombie world yeah. with this girl, he sort of rediscovers himself as a dad and as a man. And it's got it's very pro masculine. I don't know if it's very pro masculinity. I definitely see like a guardian situation going on here, but you can have that in almost every story. Then you're kind of even claiming that Merlin the wizard from King Arthur is this super masculine guy because he took Joel under his wing. Or is it because or because he took Arthur under his wing? Sorry. But is it the fact that Joel has to kill people that makes him masculine? Is is that's peak Right there, them being machismo in a video game is because you have to kill somebody. Because, like, every game is machismo then. And I wouldn't doubt it because a lot of dudes play these things. So, all right, we're already just going into dog shit arguments. Let's get it. Masculinity is very pro-fatherhood. It's very uh, deep kind of relationship for a video game. So people loved it. I got bored of the gameplay. For me, it was all just shooting zombies, and I get very tired of shooting zombies, and they're scary, and, you know, it's like I just... He had nothing to talk shit about the story, mainly probably because he didn't play through it. But he said that he didn't like the gameplay, and bro, bro, what a terrible review of the video game because the gameplay is some fucking cheese, bro. It is a master chef of third-person shooting. It's a fucking master chef kiss. So if you don't like it, like I even, just listen. even in my personal opinion too, like the, the the multiplayer of the original Last Last of Us was so fucking good and underrated, and yet, and it's because of the gameplay, and yet this guy is claiming that the gameplay sucks. So I'm already on another opposition side to this because that's no reason to say you almost beat the game, but then you got bored with it. If it was too much zombie killing, if you already killed that many zombies, why wouldn't you grind it the fuck out till you actually beat the game? If you're almost there, you fucking puss. It was right, the same was thing. Much. So I, I got very close to the end, I now realize. I was very close to finishing it. Uh, and then I just got tired of the, oh, the shooting. Oh, my bad. He realized. Um, so he realized the he was Last of Us 2 end. comes out. And right, this and is a just, really popular yeah, game. It, I'm not going to finish it. And suddenly, so we're back in the, uh, in the world. And the young girl, uh, Ellie, has grown up. And now she's a lesbian. Because... All right, well, also, he didn't play the uh, DLC that came with uh, the original Last of Us that was actually uh, the beginning of Ellie's story before she was even led to the Guardian before Joel, who was the resistance fighter. Uh, um, what he fails to miss is that that, too, is in... Uh, she was already a lesbian in, in, in the, the original Last of Us. So for him to think that this came out of nowhere, like he got sucker punched by lesbianism in, a, in this video game, it's unfounded. Completely unfounded. And that, that DLC came out like a year after Last of Us did. And it was like four hours long. So he didn't finish that either. Probably because the gameplay was boring, right? Girl, uh, okay. Ellie has grown up and now she's a lesbian because... I, I don't know why, but suddenly she's a lesbian. And suddenly. her friend... <laughs> like, what happens if his daughter like comes out and he's like, what? All of a sudden... <laughs> 
And right. Joel from the original, <laughs> uh, this guy who's now older, he's an older guy, and he's clearly got very tender feelings, tender fatherly feelings towards this girl. And I should say, by the way, that the art and the voice acting in the game are terrific. The, they really are. It's a little slow. They take Bet. a little bit too much time with it. But still, it's really good voice acting and really good art. Bet. Joel is being hunted by Abby, who is a, for at least she looks like a transgender woman, okay? What? So she looks like a guy who either has had an operation or something, what? or is a woman who thinks she's mad. I, you couldn't tell. You what? couldn't tell. What? Is he seriously threatened right now by the fact that there's like a masculine woman? Just because he, she probably got fucking biceps bigger than his fucking dick? Bro. I mean, that's not a hard measure to make, but, like, she is jacked. She is fucking jacked. I'll give it that. And but, I mean, like, what do you have, What do you expect to happen in an apocalypse? You don't think some women are going to get extra swole in a, like, in a, in a, in a, in a time when it's survival of the fittest for sure? Like, you don't think some women are going to get swole? We've already had swole women that weren't transgender. Are you calling them transgender women? Are you gonna are you gonna diss China right now, bro? Are you gonna? F All right, whatever. Man. We have to play her at times, and she's just a vicious, vengeance bent person in a game where every male, every male gets destroyed or humiliated. And and Joel, this guy, we've really learned to be with and to love and to kind of follow his role, uh, follow his journey into fatherhood, into rediscovering what it means to be a man. Now we've got to play her as she hunts, or him, or whoever, whatever she is, as she hunts him down. And we even get the joy of a graphic sex scene, which you just can't tell if it's a guy <laughs> sodomizing a guy who thinks he's a girl sodomizing. or what it is. You can't tell. Abby. So again, it's just him being extremely uncomfortable with swoletariats, bro. Like, she's swole as fuck. Who gives a shit? Like, are you honestly threatened by a woman with muscles? Like, I am because, like, I'm, I don't know, anybody with muscles obviously can crush the fuck out of me, but, like, th there's no reason to just be throwing this uh, blind hatred just because uh, a certain image threatens your I idea of what a woman should be. Is that really required? And then are people not... Uh... <laughs> Is a video game not allowed to challenge people's preconceptions? Because, like, I don't even think it should have done that. I think people should have got the fuck over it and just been like, God damn, that's one swole fucking mass murderer? I don't. I haven't played the game, so I don't know the full spectrum of her character. But all I can tell from this fucking video is the guy can't stand the idea of a swole woman. So, cool? How... How do you guys, like, get get around with this kind of shit filling your head? I seen a guy who thinks he's a girl or what it is. You can't tell. Abby. So we can't tell it is slurred out. Why are these all stuck together? Um. So. An employee at IGN, one of the big game uh, websites, said True. anybody who doesn't like the scene is a virgin. Remember when 
and here's the full quote because he's just he's just saying shit. Remember when folk are upset at a sex scene in a piece of media because it's not made for their titillation. It is because they are a virgin and will sadly always be a virgin. <laughs> I feel so bad that these people will never know the touch of another human being, but at least they have anime. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, it's it's just throwing shade at a bunch of people who are uh, really disgusting off of just like anything that challenges the way that they think the world ought to be. And uh, I don't really care about their feelings because they want everybody's feelings to conform to theirs. Like, ours is a freedom of expression, and that means being okay with people's um, expressions that don't necessarily agree with yours. But when your expression is expressively just hating other people's expressions, like, dude, we're just at a fucking standstill where you're just a piece of shit that won't let other people be. I don't know what to say in in response um allowing people to be free is probably the best thing you can do for anybody now let me tell you something i'm 65 years old i had more sex last week than all the employees at ign put together in the last year we're just gonna have to take his word for it this is that that authorizes his next statement he had more sex last week than everyone at ign and this makes whatever he's gonna say next very very qualified Okay. My one response to this is this. My eyes! Open my eyes! Open my eyes! My eyes! I don't care. I don't care what people are. I don't want to watch it. I don't want it forced down my, my, into my consciousness. I don't want them preaching to me while I'm trying to play a video game. The fuck is preachy about it? Like, you got preachy because it's not the way that you like it. But, like, bro, like, the, the people exist in a spectrum of ways. Get the fuck over it. I don't think it's shoving anything down anybody's throat. I think it's telling a story of characters, and you have to get no, get to know characters based on their individual stories. Um, he's not willing to do that because he can't even see past the symbols and archetypes because they fuck with his myths. That's that that's a mind fuck that like somebody needs like a serious psychologist to unwrap biases and reveal them as so but I would doubt that like their therapist a therapist even does that I just like it's I I don't know how we get like biasy therapists but it would be tight if we could all just unwork these knots that we all have like I have biases against white bald guys but like that's just me like as soon as I hear their arguments it's just very hard for me to agree with them it's discrimination I know but like we all just have to come to terms with it and be upfront about it because by saying that I like everybody I don't care about what you are who you are but here's my problem with you like that just doesn't seem to break the mold there's always that mold that you're fit in and if you if you don't fit in that mold it upsets bald white men or at least this bald white man and that's my bias thank you for joining me let's play and it's absurd and by the way a lot of people feel like this you know the critics give this game a 94 percent, which in, is no way the people give it a 4.8 out of 100 <laughs> so that's that's what the people think about this yeah, but that's like everybody willing to take their time to uh, review it because they're a pissed off little shit who can't uh, appreciate anything if it doesn't fit their ideology. Just because the Naughty Dog has a more free expressive ideology doesn't mean that uh, anything is bad because conservatives want to conserve their feelings into a certain safe space.
This is awkward. We're supposed to be all so shocked and all. We don't care. We don't care. We're most of us are. What do you mean? You don't care. You're making a whole video about it. That's why I'm here is because you care so much to talk about it for eight minutes and 48 seconds. Our straight people who just want to have kids and go on and have our family lives. We don't care what you're doing, but we don't need. But you see that? He knows his mold. He knows his mold. We are white people who want to have kids. We don't care what everybody else does. And yet here we are saying what we don't need. Here we go. Need to know. We don't need to have this forced on us as telling us basically that we're immoral if we don't want to play this game. It's offensive. It is offensive to do that. Right? It's offensive to say you're immoral for not wanting to play the game. Again, no. I, I would disagree. I think you're just biased to not want to play the game. Um, I think immoral comes down to when you're um, talking shit about a woman calling her a transgender male um, to be malicious. That's pretty immoral in my book, and that's how you, you, you started the video. So where do we go from here? Like, how do, how do we repair the dialogue between Naughty Dog and its fans if we're just going to uh, deny the existence and the expressions of other people? Right? It is offensive to push it on. Plus, it makes no sense. Push it on. Push it on. You don't have to play the game. Like, everybody knew, too, because the story leaked. Maybe the, what, like, the story leaking was actually the part letting everybody know that, hey, there's a lot of shit in here that may trigger you. Don't play the game. They played it anyways. And then what did they do? They freaked the fuck out. Because they need shit to do while we find out that a bunch of people on Twitch and doing a bunch of fucking eSports e are a bunch of fucking pedophiles and a bunch of fucking sexual assaulters themselves. Even their fucking idols that they watch stream are pieces of shit that have the wrong kind of kinks. And yet we're here shaming whatever Naughty Dog had when none of it's actually illegal. So cool fucking beans, man. All the tolerance that we have for every little minor twist in human consciousness, all the tolerance we have, is because we are a powerful, rich nation surrounded by an army that will protect us. We can afford to screw around with all the social justice we want. We think. We think that we can experiment with all the tolerance, all the social justice. Let everybody come in. Let everybody come into the country. There should be no borders. No, I'm such a good person. That is all because we're rich and powerful and protected by a massive, massive military force. Once there's a zombie pandemic, once you're living in a post-apocalyptic world, all those bets are off. Strong men rule. Men with guns rule over men without guns. Men, Women men, will have men. to produce children. That's what they will be there for. Women will have to produce children. Aren't you excited for like when things break down that the role that men have already decided for you? Aren't you excited? That the, the, the same people who crash the world are going to be the same people telling you what to do after it. He's already decided this. I can't argue with it. There'll be a lot less tolerance of this sort of thing. Our tolerance is a luxury, and I'm all for it. I'm all nice. And then, and then he equates that conservative tolerance, or whatever the fucking ideology he is, seems a lot of machismo fascism to me. But whatever he is talking about, he's saying that you are safe to have an SJW message right now because there is a massive military and government or police force or whatever the fuck holding our tolerance up, stopping us from killing you. 
Because if this was a zombie apocalypse right now and I saw all this transgenderism and lesbianism, I would fucking murder you. And that's the message he's sending right now. I can't believe that. I cannot believe that that thinly veiled message is easily seen as a threat against people's lives. Like he said, if this was a zombie apocalypse, all bets are off. Are you kidding me, bro? Are you guys kidding me? Like, this is exactly the kind of environment and atmosphere that is going to lead to more toxic gamer gates, bro. Like, this is no wonder there are so many incels that sit there with controllers. It's because you guys have this kind of attitude to other human beings that who would want to spend time next to you? It's fucking surprising. This guy did not have sex last week. All for being tolerant, but don't tell me in a post-apocalyptic world surrounded by zombies, we're going to be the same decadent, non-caring, virtue-signaling clowns virtue we signal. are in a situation where we are wealthy and protected and at peace. And just one more thing I got to say about this, because it's so offensive to me to be preached to about something I don't care about at all. I mean, I, I truly, I do not care what people are doing. Apparently, just by having the axe in themselves is preachy to him. I don't understand that. ...in their private lives, but it's offensive for them to tell me that a game that I really enjoyed or a game that most people really enjoyed because of its values now has to be twisted and sell their values to me instead of the values that I actually went to the game for in the first place. Why does everything have to be transformed into this garbage? That's what I want to know, especially <laughs> illogically. That's, that's what I'm saying, man, is that if his daughter actually came out of the closet, he would be like, man, what kind of virtue signal are you pushing on me right now? You fucking SJW. <laughs> and one of the most offensive scenes in this, it is genuinely offensive that we have to play this vengeance-hungry Abby who's out to get the guy that we thought of as the hero. He was our character in the first game, this guy, Joel. And then, I, I don't want to play a lot of this. I just want to play a little bit of this death scene because... What's fascinating, too, is that, like, I was listening to uh, Vosh go over Trump's speech, and he went over the 14 points of fascism. And machismo is very much so, and seeing him focus in on that point again is just... It's, it's these subtleties that kind of put that kernel of implicit bias in people's subconscious and then drive their actions even further. But, you know, it, it, you keep you keep microwaving that kernel with propaganda and eventually it's going to pop and it's it becomes explicit bias which is rhetoric and full argumentation um people willing to die for statues and also uh send death threats because a video game didn't do what they wanted it to do because they don't just kill him they torture him to death and the person who's doing it is a character that we are forced to play stupid old man You don't get to rush this. You're done. You want what I want, right? End it. Now. Joel, get up. Joel, fucking get up. Please stop! God, game, the game is beautifully rendered, though. Please don't shoot! Joel, please get up! They try to convince us that this transgender person is somebody we should somehow like and forgive. Uh, they make you kill a dog, uh, which a lot of people are really upset about. 
I don't know if I ever, if I don't know, I don't know if I would uh, forgive them. I think that's kind of the point. And what I'm kind of hoping that might be interesting here, since I I like video games a lot, is I wonder if like her character arc is something similar to what the gamer experiences, because you are taken to a certain situation where at the end of the first Last of Us, Joel decides not to have Ellie go through with the uh, procedure, which effectively would create a cure for the virus or for the zombie apocalypse uh, or the zombie disease, whatever, or immunity, maybe. Um, so he decides not to give her up, which then kind of puts it in this like moral gray area. Was it right for him to save her life over the fact that now the whole world is just going to be fucked people are going to be constantly stuck in this mode of survival and then you kind of wonder well was the old world even really worth it and shouldn't joel just appreciate what he has which all he has is ellie so it just it kind of brings out certain emotions certain thoughts certain feelings that you can dive into and kind of explore and so what i'm wondering is that some people that ended up on the end possibly that they didn't like that joel did not sacrifice Ellie for the greater good of humanity, maybe sit on the side of Abby, but I don't know because I don't know Abby's intentions whatsoever or motivations because I didn't play the game, and all I really do know is that he doesn't like the fact that they might paint her in a humanizing picture, but we all know that this game deals in gray morality, and even some of the best media deals in great morality where we don't really know what's right or wrong. How do I know that Joel didn't deserve it based on the story? Just because he had five good minutes in the previous game and I was forced to like him then because all I had was the experience of him being my guardian hero at the time, right? Or Ellie's guardian hero. But what is the reason for Abby being vengeful and hunting down? Why? I don't know. And yet, I'm just supposed to take his word for it, so I'm still going to play this game probably. Because now he's got me curious into like what actually happens um, and the true motivations of every character. Um, he's actually got me curious because his surface level analysis leaves me hungry. I want more. I want more. I'm, I need more substance because whatever the fuck this is, it's potato chips, bro. You know, it's garbage. It is garbage. I do not understand the disconnect that has taken place between entertainers, including sports people, movie people, uh, television people, entertainers, and the people they are supposed to entertain is an amazing phenomenon that we will call, in the, in the, in the later years, we will call, remember when they got woke and went broke because I don't think this game is going to do very well, and they can sit and rant and rage about it all they oh, want. Oh, Naughty Dog's going to be It doesn't fine. matter. It's our values that we have, not their values. We don't need them to preach to us. They're game makers. Just make a good game and let us see our values in play, and then maybe, maybe we'll give you some That's of our I'm money saying. if you're very polite. That's what... That's what I'm saying, is he keeps saying that he doesn't care, but it's just like he cares so much that if it doesn't fit his worldview, he's not going to play it, that he's not going to spend his money. And um, he thinks that this is some kind of failed mission from the left, but like I had been saying earlier, this is people trying to express themselves. Humanity is a wide spectrum of experiences, and people should be allowed to express it. 
um, our reactions to it and their actions through it as well are just as important. Like, say, a transgender person expressing themselves. One guy may want to dick them down. Another one might want to shiv them up. It just depends on the person. But I tend to sit on the side of the person who would rather dick them down than shiv them up because I don't want to see senseless death for no reason just because a person doesn't fit into the mold of what I think a human being should be. I don't know what the fuck I think a human should be. But it's hard for me to tell them that they have to be American when I know motherfuckers are born in Russia, China, Thailand, Africa. They're, they're, they're born fucking everywhere, bro. There's, 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 there's no controlling the exact kind of human being. But they will try their goddamn hardest to get it to fit inside the blue and or the red and white stripes i swear to fucking god they will try their hardest to get it to fit inside this fucking little box but it, it just it won't work it con it causes constant constant conflict and contradictions and it hurts us it hurts us down here at the bottom because ultimately it doesn't fucking matter the only purpose of this distraction is to keep the wealthy wealthy and the poor poor that's it that's all it's ever been and we fight about it in our video games now because it has to take over everything we fight about it in our in our sports because it has to take over everything but the thing is is that if the public if the public hadn't taken so long to get over race issues since all the movements since before the year 2000 and if the nation the actual government took the time to ensure the rights of every single individual protected underneath the constitution we wouldn't be having these conversations in the way that we do people maybe wouldn't be uncomfortable with the fact or idea of other people being other things That was a lot of class warfare in, in, in a minute. <sighs> need to get over it. We need to get over it. But it's still worth it to play Last of Us in spite of people who just uh, hate people for the sake of their existence. Um, please uh, share your love and share your peace. Um, and, uh, stay woke, uh, and you'll never go broke. It's all bullshit, folks. It's all bullshit, and it's bad for you. Now, you wouldn't know it from some of the things I've said over the years, but I like people. <laughs> I do. I like people, but I like them in short bursts. I don't like people for extended periods of time. I'm all right with them for a little while, but once you get up past around minute, minute and a half, I gotta get the fuck out of there. And my reason for this, my reason is for one that you may share, possibly. I have a very low tolerance level for stupid bullshit. That's all. Stupid bullshit. Yeah. Tell the truth. Don't be bullshitting people. Like I say, there's enough bullshit as it is. There's enough bullshit as it is. In fact, there's just enough. Did you know that? There's just enough bullshit to hold things together in this country. Bullshit is the glue that binds us as a nation. Where would we be? without our safe, familiar, American bullshit. Land of the free, home of the brave, the American dream. All men are equal, justice is blind, the press is free. Your vote counts. 
Business is honest, the good guys win. The police are on your side. God is watching you. Your standard of living will never decline. And everything is gonna be just fine. The official national bullshit story. I call it the American okie doke. Every one of those items is provably untrue at one level or another, but we believe them because they're pounded into our heads from the time we're children. That's what they do with that kind of stuff. They put it in the heads of kids, they pound it in there because kids, they know kids are too young to be able to mount a sophisticated argument against these kind of ideas. And so, uh, kids, and up to a certain age, by the way, kids are going to believe everything a grown-up tells them, everything. So, they, so kids never learn to question things. Nobody questions things in this country anymore. Nobody questions things. Why? People are too fat and happy. People are way too fucking prosperous for their own good. Everyone's got a cell phone that'll make pancakes and rub their balls now, you know? <laughs> so, nobody wants, nobody wants to rock the boat. And people, people just, uh, gizmo, Americans have been silenced, bought off and silenced by gizmos and toys. And as a result, no one's ever learned to question things. No one questions things in this country anymore. No one questions things. Now, okay. You remember Barbara Bush? I call her the silver douchebag. You remember her? <laughs> Barbara Bush. She is the mother of Governor George Bush. I call him Governor Bush because that's the only elected office he ever held legally in our country, okay? George Bush, Governor Bush. Yeah. I don't care where they hang his portrait, I don't care how big his library is, he'll always be Governor Bush. I don't even capitalize his name when I type it anymore. So she's the mother of Governor George Bush, she's also the wife of his father, George H.W. Bush, who did become president in the normal, legal, traditional manner. And when he did, she came along for the ride as first lady. And that's been the tradition up till now. A man has been elected and the woman has come along for the ride as the first lady. And usually, as in American life in general, the woman is condescended to, patronized, given something to do to keep her busy. A lot of times they give her a charity or a cause, something she can champion. Betty Ford was told to drink, remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, that was Betty Ford's assignment. Betty, you get drunk and get totally fallen down, fucked up, shit-faced drunk, okay? You just get fucked up drunk, and we'll hose you down, baby. We'll hose you down. We'll put you in a facility, you'll get sober, and then we'll put your name in the facility, Liza Minnelli can get sober, and everything's gonna be okay, all right? That was her assignment. Barbara Bush's assignment was getting children to read. Remember that? Getting children to read. They figured she had had so much success with George. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That she would be a natural to get children to read, which misses the point completely. Not important to get children to read. Children who want to read are going to read. Kids who want to learn to read are going to learn to read. Much more important to teach children to question what they read. Children should be taught to question everything. To question everything they read, everything they hear. Children should be taught to question authority. Parents never teach their children to question authority because parents are authority figures themselves and they don't want to undermine their own bullshit inside the household. So they stroke the kid and the kid strokes them and they all stroke each other and they all grow up all fucked up and they come to shows like this.